I'm Julie Cherison, and this is episode eight of Go Date Yourself. This week on the show. It may not be all about the sex, but it is about the sex. So originally, I asked Terry to come talk about an article that we had both commented on on one of our Facebook groups. So you read Jenny's article, this whole idea that men focusing on women's pleasure is more about them. And their prowess and what have you. And and also them making like really stupid assumptions about like what other men do. Because I, I feel like every guy on the planet thinks that like he's the only guy on the planet willing to go down. And it's just like... And we're supposed to praise that? It is not that? 1940, dude. <laughs> no. That's about the extent that Terry and I talked about the article. And that was completely my fault. See, Terry mentioned... I'm married and I'm in an open marriage. So I'm married, but I date. And knowing basically nothing about open marriages myself, I had a lot of questions. So even though it was a super interesting article that we will hopefully get to in another episode, that's not what this episode is about. In an open marriage, like how, what is your frequency of dating? (laughs) (laughs) It's, been interesting. I actually just got dumped about three or four weeks ago. And so it's like I didn't used to really have an opening, if you will, but now I do. So I am kind of actively dating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I tend to do most of my dating online just because I realize that proportionately in the world at large, the number of people willing to do non-monogamy and the number of people willing to do non-monogamy with someone who already has a nesting partner, because that's really two different things. But it's not a lot of people, so I just kind of don't trust the I'm just going to go randomly meet somebody. Right. And I mean, have you, like, in real life met somebody who has been open to that, or has it been mostly online is the easiest way to to find somebody on the same page been mostly either online or in the community like there's polyamory meetup groups and what and that sort of thing i just moved i lived here in the 90s moved away and came back but um when i was living in texas i was really really active with the local group there for like a decade and we just moved back here last april and i've gone to a few meetups but having like a weirdo actor schedule i don't always have evenings and weekends free so i don't get to go that often yeah uh the actor schedule is a whole nother ball game when it comes to dating anyway exactly because like who else do you ever meet you never see anyone but other actors but you shouldn't date other actors so what are you supposed to do <laughs> also a lot depending on like what your other outlets for meeting people are. I mean, like in the polyamory community, there is sort of like a straight female privilege sort of thing, because women are more likely to just get approached at random by men. And the stereotype is that, you know, your average straight man is way happier to get with a woman who, quote unquote, doesn't want to commit than a woman would be with a guy. And then you've got the queer community and that makes it weirder, too. So, you know, I've met a lot of straight women who are polyamorous who are like, oh, I don't need to go to the group to meet anyone. I don't want to, you know, be 
dating in the community. And I'm like, that must be nice because some of us don't really get it like that. Is that an issue, do you feel, for, like, men in polyamorous relationships that it's a lot harder for them to find that? Oh, yes. It really, really is. Because you've got the double-edged sword of, you know, the societal feeling in general about being a side chick or, you know, this can't really be the case. He's got to be stepping out on her, your nasty get away from me reaction. And then even within groups, it's like if a if a single straight guy shows up to a group, people are often really closed off going, oh, he's just here trolling for easy sex. And that's not what we're about, at least not what everyone is about. And we don't want the reputation of the community to be that this is where you come for easy sex. So I've seen a lot of like single nice and I don't mean nice in the bad way but actually nice guys looking to date who kind of got frozen out in the communities because there's this prejudice that a single straight guy is looking for easy sex if he's you know coming alone to a polyamory group if you're a married couple and you already you know are established as a couple and you've got a woman who's coming there with you to like validate your existence there is almost what it seems like it's a lot easier Wow, I that is a perspective that I had no idea about. However, a an unattached woman showing up, it's Shark Week. <laughs> really? Oh, oh yeah. my goodness. I know we're like totally off topic, but we'll oh, talk about so, the article. We're, we're going to get this. there. We're going to get there. Um, <laughs> do you feel like dating in general is easier for one sex or the other? I don't know because I really think it depends on what you're looking to get out of it. Um because I, I actually ended up in an online conversation this morning because I just, I've got some baggage. I will admit my baggage. I have a lot of self-esteem baggage around my looks and not being found particularly physically attractive by the people I tend to meet. And I see a lot of younger, more conventionally attractive women going, you know, I don't want to be objectified. I don't want to be looked at like a piece of meat. It sucks if someone, I think someone wants to get to know me and they just want to get in my pants and what have you. And I'm sort of the opposite. It's like, I don't get emotionally attached to someone without knowing they want to get in my pants. And I don't assume that just because I'm a girl, someone's trying to get into my pants. And I see a lot of women kind of on that because that's what's, and I understand and that's their experience. That's one, what's been projected on them. But when it's not your experience, that's a little weird. I, I've always been like kind of a sort of ugly duckling girl who didn't get that kind of attention up front. So I look for it up front because, I mean, I was, to be blunt, in a sexless, sexless relationship for six years. And that really kind of does a number on you, you know. And the kind of feedback that I was getting was, well, but you're loved and you're doted on and you're valued for all these other things. So what does it matter that you're not getting laid and you're really shallow and that's stupid and it's just like wow really thanks no, see I completely <laughs> disagree with that because I mean we're here to talk about an article about sex anyway and Yay, I think sex. sex is hugely important in a relationship it really really is and I think I mean I'm a big Dan Savage fan just because he comes right out and says sex is more important than y'all want to admit it is and if it wasn't people wouldn't be calling my show asking me the crap they're asking me all the time and it's true I think it's got a kind of elephant in the room sort of thing where people want to say that it's not as important as it is but it is you know I mean there are so many 
especially when you look at, you know, long-term matrimonial expected monogamy, so many of those split up at the end of the day because of sex and either not being compatible or one person wants it and the other one doesn't, or when they got married, they were inexperienced and didn't really know who they were sexually and they find out who they are and it doesn't work and it goes kablooey. So it's really important and I feel like I've turned into this little champion for, it may not be all about the sex, but it is about the sex. Terry and I got on the topic of online dating because this show always ends up on the topic of online dating. Or maybe it's just called dating now, I guess. I've talked to a lot of women and this is just interesting to me in how so many women are socialized that they feel like if a guy messages them, they have to answer. And I love your face right now, which leads into this awkward situation because if that if you answer that dude that dude thinks you're interested not that you're being nice and I think that that's where at least in the man woman world a lot of ickiness and drama happens is people are coming at it from completely different mindsets and you know I mean it may sound kind of rude but if somebody messages me and I'm not interested I just don't answer I don't think that's rude. And um, I've had this conversation a couple times and there's different camps of people who believe different things here too. But the perspective that I look at it from is that first of all, women get more messages than men do. So first of all, that can be overwhelming to get a bunch of messages and have, feel like you have to respond to all of them. And I was guilty of that when I first started online dating, yeah. I responded to every message. Yeah. And I learned really quickly you to not do that. You really can't do that. You can't. Because uh, for several reasons. One is it shows you're potentially interested in someone you're not interested in. Right. The other is if you if you're super honest and you see a message and you're like, oh, that's a really nice message. I'm not interested in this person. I'll just let them know. You have the opportunity to say, hey, thank you for messaging me. What you said was really nice. I'm not interested, but thanks. You know, good luck on here. And the backlash that you can receive from men who feel rejected and say awful things in response to that. Yeah. It's really discouraging after that. So um, I actually was interviewing a guy and he was like, you know, it can be really hard to send out a bunch of messages and only get like one reply. And he's like, I don't understand why a girl can't just be like, hey, thanks. I'm not interested. And I'm like, let because me tell you, you don't actually want that. That's why you may think you do, but you don't actually want that. And that's, yeah, that's a weird place to be because I know that a lot of guys are like, well, if I only knew why she wasn't responding or whatever, it's like, take the fact that she doesn't respond as your answer and be done with it. Because at that point, you know, this is not someone who's in a social contract with you, which is the big difference between online and in person. Because like, if it's somebody you see every day or somebody that someone introduces you to who's in your extended social circle, and you may run into them again, then yeah, you do actually have a little bit of a social contract to at least try to be nice enough that if you run into each other again, it's, you know, a person's not going to cry at the side of you. But, you know, at this point, you are nothing but a couple of pictures to each other. And they don't, there is no social contract to that. You just don't answer. Because the thing is, even if you answer and say you're not interested, you've opened a conversation. And the sort of guys who think that they can win if there's a conversation are going to jump in on that and dig in their teeth and never let go because you've started a conversation. And if you've started that conversation, they think that they can change your mind. Yes. Yes. I, I find that very true. And then if you do at some point, either upfront or 
throughout the conversation attempt to end the conversation, then there's hurt feelings involved, there's backlash, there's, you know, negativity. Mm-hmm. And because it's a picture versus a picture, it's this anonymous, it's fairly anonymous place with very little accountability. Yeah. They feel like they can say whatever they want. Exactly. It's a lot easier to say mean things to a person's picture than it is to say them to their face. Right. And people have no problem doing that, it seems, mm. which can be really discouraging. And, you know, when I was interviewing this guy and explaining this to him, he's like, I do not feel so bad when I don't get a response now. He's like, I had no idea that that's what it was like on the other side of those messages. Yeah. And I was like, there's a lot of fear involved on the other side of those messages. A lot mm-hmm. of discomfort, a lot of fear. I don't think anyone wants to hurt anyone's feelings or wants to intentionally ignore them. And the thing is, like you said, um, at some stage you develop a social contract. Mm-hmm. Like, if you've been dating someone for a while and then you stop messaging them. I have been ghosted after a lot of first dates and a lot of first dates that appeared to go well. And yeah, that is way more painful for me than just not getting a reply. And I do a whole lot more messaging first than a lot of other women do. I mean, I date both men and women, and that's a big part of it is with women, often no one will make the first move. And that's just kind of how it is because you're dealing with, I I once heard someone describe lesbians as 10,000 women all waiting for someone to ask them to dance. So, you know, when you've got girl-on-girl dating, it's it's weird because it is considered often rude or too forward to be the initiator, but then nobody initiates. So what are you supposed to do? Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. So, you know, I've messaged plenty of women who have never messaged me back, and that's that. And then I've messaged ones who thought they had to be polite and that eventually got awkward because, you know, somebody is eventually going to ask for a meeting and, you know, you've now been talking to them for two weeks or whatever and that you've developed a little bit of a social contract where you didn't need to have. And so now you're in this awkward situation where you got to wheedle your way back out of it, which I think is where a lot of ghosting comes from. And then there's also, I read an article, and I can't cite it anymore, but it was a really interesting thing about how men and women view dating online differently, and how a lot of the fakes and flakes phenomenon that, you know, Dan Savage, I stole that term from him, comes from the fact that a lot of people who are on online dating aren't actually there to meet anybody. They're there to just see what kind of feedback they'll get, or it's almost like a fantasy thing where because they're not looking at a face, they're not in real 3D space with a person, it's not really real. It's almost like they're just having a little ego-boosting fantasy chat escapism thing, and the person wanting to push it into reality scares them off and they just ghost. You all know how much I love talking about ghosting. Maybe someday I'll interview a real ghost for the show and we'll see how they feel about it. Spooky. Just kidding, I love ghosts. You know what else I love? Unicorns. And apparently there is more than one kind. I've interviewed some women who are bisexual and single and looking for a relationship, and they tend to get mostly messages from couples looking for, like... Their their unicorn is what we call it, because they are legendary, rare, and pretty much don't exist. But, yeah, you see a lot of that in the poly community is couples going, we want our 
you know, our third. We want to find our special, wonderful woman. And yeah, then all of us seasoned people are just like, oh, that's so cute. Here's a whole bunch of links to articles about why your entire approach to dating is wrong and is never going to yield you anything. Because it's not, I feel like that's not how dating works anyway, even if you're single, single. Yeah, it's just that we call it couples privilege and it's, even if they're not trying to dehumanize and objectify the prospective woman, that looking, oh, there are all of these nasty buzzwords, like we are looking for a woman to complete our relationship. Ew, it's not a puzzle piece, it's a human being. And also, if you're not happy with your relationship as it is, broken relationship, add more people is not going to work. Yeah, it's almost the same situation of like a couple having trouble and having a baby to try to fix that trouble. Like Mm -hmm. adding another person, another human with human emotions and their own needs and desires is not going to fix those problems. I mean, one thing that we like to turn on its head to talk to these people is like, what do you have to offer this prospective woman? Because they tend to come in with all of the, oh, she has to be like this and this and this and this. Like, okay, that woman sounds great. Why does she want you? What have you got to offer? What are you going to give her, do for her? How are you going to treat her? Because, you know, if you're not ready to sell yourself the way that you expect this woman to sell herself to you, then you're doing this wrong. Because that's another person who's got wants and needs that may not line up with yours. And you got to be okay with that. I mean, there's a lot of couples who expect the woman to be exclusive to them. So, you know, they won't date a partnered woman. And it's like, well, that's interesting because you're expecting her to date partnered people. So why doesn't she get another partner? I didn't realize that there were so many caveats to that like that relationship dynamic Mm -hmm. Um, because it does sound like this whole idea that don't you want to be a part of our relationship versus what they should be offering another person because that's the whole idea behind dating is being like I have this to offer you. Exactly. What do you have to offer me? Like, this is a trade-off. The whole idea of a relationship, it should be, it shouldn't be, like you said, the puzzle piece thing. It shouldn't be, like, filling a hole or an emptiness in your life. It should be what two people can add to each other's life. Exactly. Exactly. I very pointedly will not date couples, and there are a lot of women in the community, and guys too, although people don't go looking for guy unicorns very often, the term really does apply to women, where I won't date a couple because, you know, there's... Attraction is a weird and iffy and hard to predict thing, and you're basically promising that you're going to be equally attracted to two completely different people. And it's weird when the couple sees themselves as this like equal cohesive unit, but you're on the outside and it's like, no, you're this guy and this girl, and maybe I kind of have the hots for this guy, but I don't want this girl, or maybe I kind of have the hots for this girl, but I would have never chosen this guy, and I don't understand why she chose him either and weird and I don't know if I want to be in that dynamic so having that expectation just from the get-go is really presumptive I think 
So in a polyamorous relationship, do you tend to date someone regularly and it tends to be like a single man or woman? It can look like an awful lot of things. I mean, right now I have a girlfriend and she's married and I don't date her husband. And I've had to actually work through some couple privilege issues with them because she she took it upon herself to start a relationship with me. She's the one who got to know me and demonstrated affection and acted interested in what have you. And her husband initially was like, oh, good, we've got one. And I'm like, no, you don't have anything. Um, you had one online conversation with me once telling me that your wife was interested in me, which I called red flag there because you also have the thing of a lot of passive women with guys who really, really want more women and kind of waggle that other woman as bait and often that woman isn't bi or isn't poly or just doesn't want anything to do with it or isn't into the kind of women he's in and it ends up being a complete crap show because they're not actually on the same page. Very, very long time ago, I met a guy online who had posted an ad for him and his wife as a couple, and this is before I learned about the whole couple mess, so I went for it, and I met her, and she did not know who I was and did not know he had an ad out. After he's been telling me, oh, my wife can't wait to meet you, and blah, 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 and I meet her, and she's like, hi, um, what? And, you know, I did get to be friends with her. And, you know, even just a few weeks after that, she's sort of like, I'm straight. I'm monogamous. I have low self-esteem and I'm scared I'm going to lose my husband. Help. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that has to be that had to be such an awful situation for her. I can't even and, imagine. And it happens. I mean, that's sadly not an isolated incident. So you got to learn how to sniff out things like that. And so, what are the red flags that even indicate that kind of situation? Is it like... It's the likelihood that like if people in a polyamorous relationship are actually in a polyamorous relationship if a woman is the initiator? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Because the thing is, women do cheat and women do lie, and you can't assume that the person's being honest because they're a woman. Um, like, I have a profile on OkCupid. My profile links to my husband's profile. Okay. And I feel like what I'm doing there is stating in good faith, yes, I have a husband. He's right here. He's also acknowledging me. We are both present on a dating site. We each know the other person is dating, and we're telling you who we are and what our relationship style is right away by doing that. I like that. I like yeah. that idea of linking each other's Because um, you can do that. It lets you create like a little hyperlink to his profile. It's like, hi, I'm so-and-so. My husband so-and-so is also on this site. Feel free to look at his profile. You know? And then saying what I'm looking for. Because we don't date as a couple. Our taste in women is eh. So it would just never happen. Sure. And um, that's the other weird thing is sometimes like when couples date, they make these weird assumptions without talking to each other that they have the same flavor, if you will. And so like one of them will get really gung-ho about one person and then the other person's not interested and that gets weird. The person I broke up with, actually, she and her husband, I think, had only attempted dating as a couple before she and I met. And the woman they attempted to date, and this was interesting, turned out to be straight and not want a relationship with my ex, but she just thought that, well, if I have some threesomes, then I can get with him, and I'm willing to suck that up in order to get with him, which is whole nother messed up conversation but you know when she met me and was interested in me and she apparently like showed her husband my picture just going hey I'm talking to this girl and he's like well I don't find her attractive and she's like why is that my problem you don't have to date her I'm dating her 
well, that's not what I thought we were doing. And then they had this big blow up thing. Is that where this whole concept of the unicorn comes from? This uh-huh. idea that both people need to find someone they are interested in. And that person has to be interested in both of them. Yeah. So it's to be three people really interested in each other, despite differing tastes and preference of attractiveness. Exactly. And not only that, but... And that sounds impossible already. It gets better. Typically, the couple wants that woman to be completely unattached, ready to escalate or not escalate the relationship at their will, not hers, and be sexually exclusive to the both of them, not have separate relationships with either of them. So, like, everyone has to be present for dates. Everyone has to be present for sex, that sort of thing. And that's just, like, it's a logistical nightmare from the get-go. And, you know, it's like you're not going to get this newly hatched person with no life and no attachments and whatever, because usually they don't want a woman who already has kids. They don't want a woman who's in other relationships. They don't want a woman who's willing to not pursue any other, or rather they want a woman who's willing to not pursue any other relationships. And they're like, nope, I'm taken. And it's just every once in a while you see a triad, as they call it, that works, but it's rare because there's so many factors that go into it even taking off. I can't even imagine. I mean, I, I have a hard enough time finding one person that I am attracted to. Mm-hmm. I just can't even... I can't even fathom trying to make all of those things work because even just finding one partner, you have to have sexual attraction, you have to have emotional attraction, and mm-hmm. then you have to have, like, this un... Um, indescribable chemistry as yep. uh, even for, for just general conversation and sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always find that no matter what, one of those things is missing for me. If I'm really, really sexually attracted to someone, they're not funny enough for me. <laughs> and if somebody is just like has the greatest personality and like I care about them a lot, but like the idea of having sex with them just, I just can't it's not going to work for me. Uh-huh. Like, I, that is my biggest hang up, trying to find so, one person to date right now and trying to find that chemistry between three people on an equal level. Just, I can't fathom it. I have been attracted to a couple ever, ever. And that's saying a lot, you know. I mean, I have been attracted to both members of a couple once. And in that case, the woman was interested in me and the man wasn't. So it's like, you kind of can't win no matter which angle you're coming yeah, in. Yeah, because just, yeah, if even if all that chemistry and all those X factors are there for one person in that group of three, there are two other people involved that that has to work for. Mm-hmm. And like you said, even if it's there for two out of the three, then there's still that one person that it has to work for. And, exactly. Oh, that just sounds so complicated. <laughs> Uh, it, I guess it makes me feel slightly better about dating now and also worse at the same time. If you stop and lay it out like that, it's all really exhausting and you're just sort of like, I'm just going to stay home with my blanket and my Netflix. Oh, my God, people. Dating is exhausting. Dating it is, is so exhausting. exhausting. It's a lot of work and you got to want it kind of bad, you know. It was a pretty hardcore focus for me for a very long time, and it was really what I spent all of my extra time doing. 
it's a lot of work. I think it's, I think we're just constantly putting so much pressure on each other. Mm -hmm. I think that's our biggest problem right now, whether it's like sex or dating in general. We're putting so much pressure on each other to fulfill expectations. Super outrageous yeah. expectations. A lot of times when we don't even know ourselves well enough to found those expectations. It's become this different thing where we're not finding what we want in people. We're deciding what we want and we're looking for people who meet to those fit statistics. the standards. Yeah, and exactly. Uh, that's not how people work. That's oh. what makes us all people is that because that doesn't work. Right. So it's a scary world out there, that whole dating thing. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> We'll keep tracking at it, though, right? Oh, I am. <laughs> Believe me, I am. Well, thank you for letting me interview you. Absolutely. Um, this was, was really fun. It was super fun. And now we know everything. Yay! Okay, I still have a million questions, but I'll save those for another day. That's episode eight, Unicorns and All. The show's theme music is by Ross Wilting, and our cover art was created by John Curtis. Check out his page and the link to his Instagram on the show's website at gdypodcast.com. Later, daters. <laughs> <laughs>